This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who is with the Pelicans in Chicago as the team takes on the Bulls tonight at 7 p.m. preseason game. Number three, happy Columbus Day to everyone. And uh, for those who get the day off, lucky you. Unfortunately, that is not me, but I hope you all are enjoying your Monday. And thanks for spending part of your day with us. We got a good show for you. Unfortunately, it's tough on a Monday here in New Orleans when the Saints lose. And yesterday, the team fell to the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly, 39-17. to It was a pretty good game for... At least the first half, it was 10-7 Eagles heading into halftime. Uh, two big interceptions in the first half by Delvin Bro and Brandon Browner. Then the team ties it up 10-10 in the third. And after that, uh, things kind of turned around. A big drive by the Eagles made it 17-10. Then the Breeze fumble. Next play, touchdown to make it 23-10. to Then after that, things kind of unraveled from there. 29 unanswered points for the Eagles. And then the Saints finished with a touchdown to Brandon Cooks to make it 39-17. We'll have plenty of reaction on uh, today's show with uh, John DeShazer, who is there uh, from NewOrleansSaints.com. And also, if you want to log on to NewOrleansSaints.com or the Saints mobile app, you can do so. Plenty of post-game reaction from Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and some of the other players. So we'll get his reaction on the game. We'll also get the reaction of Steve Weish from the NFL Network, who joins us every Monday. He'll talk about that game, plus all the games going on around the NFL yesterday um, he was at Broncos and Raiders, so we'll talk about Peyton Manning and that offense struggling for the Broncos, but it's the defense that ca- are carrying them to a 5-0 and record. So uh, we'll have Steve on there. And then on the basketball side, as I mentioned, Pelicans and Bulls tonight. Good news, you can finally watch a game on television. It, the game is on NBA TV, 7 o'clock. It is Chicago's broadcast, but of course it'll be nice to kind of see how this team is progressing. Um, but of course... Turn it down. Listen to the radio broadcast starting at 6.30. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you. And then the game at 7. So Sean may not be hosting today, but we'll check in with him and Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com later on in the show. Kind of a shoot-around update and what can we expect in tonight's game. So, of course, we'll talk Saints and Eagles, and we'll also preview a little bit of Saints and Falcons, what the schedule is like for this team on three days rest until the game on Thursday, and then we'll check in with Sean and Jim uh, later on to preview Pelicans and Bulls. The Pelicans did have a game this weekend. It was on Friday night against the Atlanta Hawks in Jacksonville, Florida. Unfortunately, the Pelicans fell to the Hawks 103-93. The good thing is the game doesn't really count. Uh, the Pelicans fall to 1-1 in the preseason. Hawks improved to 2-0. Anthony Davis, 20 points in 25 minutes, 8 of 15 shooting, 5 blocks, or 5 rebounds, excuse me, and Two three-pointers for him. I tweeted on Friday that Anthony Davis shot one of 12 from downtown during the regular season last year. And you remember that 1-3. It was a huge game winner against the Thunder and already two for three in one game. So look out for Anthony Davis shooting the threes this year. And uh, we'll get to see a little bit of that, of course, on NBA TV tonight. And Tyreek Evans in his first game back, he had a, a bruised knee. He banged knees during training camp. And that's why he missed the first preseason game against Indiana. Uh, 17 points for him, 9 rebounds, 8 of 15 shooting as well for him. So a uh, good night for Tyreek Evans. Uh, 14 turnovers for the team. Didn't shoot well, 32-84. And uh, we'll have Sean and Jim preview the game 
before we get you set for the game tonight. So a good show for you. We have Steve Weiss from the NFL Network, Sean and Jim. But up next, we will recap yesterday's game in Philly. John DeShazer joins us from NewOrleansSaints.com. The Pelicans Pick 6 plan presented by Domino's is the opportunity to pick the games right for you. Ticket packages are the only way to score access to the biggest games, including a matchup against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, each plan comes with a free Domino's pizza. Six game packages start as low as $54. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to score your Pick 6 plan today. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. All right, welcome back to the show. We continue on this Monday here on the Black and Blue Report. Again, the final score yesterday in Philly. Uh, Saints fall to the Eagles 39-17. to John DeShazer is uh, here in Studio B after getting home from uh, Philly last night. Uh, JD, uh, do want to say good morning, but not so good morning here around the campus. Well, it's still a good morning now. It's just uh, not as good as it you know, could be if the Saints had won now. Unfortunately, we know how it is around New Orleans when uh, the Saints don't play well on Mondays are kind of blue, but uh, hey, we're all home and we're all healthy. So, well, relatively healthy, I yep. guess. The players are a little bit beat up and uh, Eagles are probably bruised up pretty good. But mm -hmm. other than that, we're home and we're and getting ready for another game. I do agree. I like the positive attitude and quick turnarounds, which could be a good thing for the Saints team. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, after one half, it was 10 to 7. Then the Saints get the field goal 10 10 early in the third. And you're thinking, all right, we have ourselves the game. And then after that, it seemed, JD, that after the long drive by the Eagles and then the fumble and then the touchdown after one play, things just fell apart for New Orleans. Well, I mean, you look at the second half and the Eagles scored 29 unanswered points. Uh, but really, you can, you can point directly back to the first half where the Saints, unfortunately, could not get on track and, and never did really offensively in this entire game. Uh, in four out of the Phillies' first five series, the Saints forced a couple of uh, turnover on downs and a, and a couple of end zone interceptions. That's four times the defense gives the ball back to the offense, and the offense only gets seven points out of that. And in the NFL, uh, especially right now, the way the Saints are going, they're not good enough to not be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And I tell you what, you would never have thought in a million years that people would be saying, you know, what's wrong with the Saints' offense? Mm -hmm. um, but that's exactly the case right now. The offense, and Drew Brees said it himself, the offense really isn't pulling its, its share of the load. The defense was on the field for so long yesterday, it was bound to crack and finally just completely crumble, which happened in that second half because, you know, you had so many short field situations. But the offense for the Saints, unfortunately, is not – producing uh, not the big plays, not the little plays, not converting enough on third down, even though they were 8 for 16 yesterday. But you have to look at some of the situations in which they were converting. And when you're behind and the other team's just trying to, you know, keep the clock running, they might, you know, give you a little something underneath. And uh, they just have not been getting the job done offensively in terms of scoring points. I mean, the Saints, I would say, I think the season high is the 26 they scored against Dallas. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not something we're accustomed to seeing out of this right. team. We're accustomed to seeing some 30s and some 28s and, 
you know, some 35s and maybe some 42s by now. But unfortunately, that hadn't happened. And if you don't have that kind of firepower, you're not going to be able to overcome because the defense, you know, as well as it played in the first half, probably played as poorly in the second half. And so they got to get some, some complimentary football going. I know you talked about the offense and some of the struggles. Is there a reason for this Drew Brees offense to struggle? Is it offensive line issues? Is it just finding a balance between a running game and the passing game? What is going on behind the struggles on offense? Well, they've definitely had some offensive line issues. Uh, Drew Brees got sacked another five times yesterday, and he fumbled two of those and lost both of those fumbles. And when Drew Brees is getting uh, smacked around and put on the ground as much as he has been the last really three times he's been out, he, he you know he did it against Tampa, which is when he sustained the injury, and he got sacked, I think, three times in that game. Came back against Dallas and got beat, beat around pretty good in the first half. But when the protection shored up in the second half, that's when the offense got on track. Then goes to Philly yesterday and really gets battered around again by Philly, which had not played well defensively at all until yesterday so this offensive line has to get those issues solved now one of those yesterday may have been that Teron Armstead at, at left tackle and Jari Evans at right guard have been injured and not playing Teron Armstead missed the game and rookie Andrews Pete started at left tackle and then you had Senio Kelamete at, at right guard so you know maybe those are some of the issues but it, it, you know if, if that's the case whatever the case is it has to be shored up because Drew Brees can't be getting battered around this way and this offense be productive. Um, so you mentioned Pete. You mentioned the two rookies on the line. How did Pete look in his first start as a rookie? He was shaky. Um, you know, frankly, he he had some some bust. And 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 Fletcher Cox ends up with uh, three sacks, and a couple of them come off of of, of uh, Andres Pete's side. And, and really, I think a lot of it is you know he's just trying to adapt. And you know you get you get baptized real quick in mm -hmm. the NFL. And uh, you know it's a little bit faster than than preseason. A little bit more serious than preseason. And certainly it's unlike anything he saw in the Pac-12 last year, even though he was one of the best left tackles in, in, the, in the country, stepping up to the NFL. And all of a sudden, Fletcher Cox might be a guy that you hadn't heard a lot about. But once you put on that NFL uniform, you find out the guy across from you is pretty good. He came from somewhere, and he was pretty good wherever he was. And there's a reason he's starting in the NFL. And so I think Andrews Pete himself said, look, I had some good plays. I had some bad plays. Unfortunately, in the NFL – you can have 68 good plays, mm -hmm. but if your three bad plays result in two sacks and one yeah. of those or, or, or two of those end up in fumbles, all people remember are the bad plays, and unfortunately I think that's the position he's in today. Um, another guy on offense that had a good week last week, C.J. Spiller, broke out for that big touchdown run against or a catch against the Cowboys. Only three rushes for 10 yards, three catches for negative eight yards. Was it just the Eagles had a really good game plan for a C.J. Spiller type, or is it something that maybe the Saints just got away from what they thought they might be doing with C.J. Spiller when they got him? Well, it almost looked like uh, like Philly was, was in the huddle for a couple of those calls. I mean, they, they, they knew when C.J. Spiller was on the field that he was going to be the featured guy, and, and, and so that's where I guess the Saints are going to have to, you know, and I'm sure Sean Payton's looked at it, they're going to have to switch up a little bit and maybe use C.J. Spiller as a decoy a little bit more because if he's on the field and he's going to get the ball and it's guaranteed he's going to get the ball, the defense is just going to key on him, which it looks like Philly did yesterday. They just keyed on him and said, okay, we're going to go after that guy and everybody else we won't necessarily worry about with as much attention as we'll put on C.J. Spiller. I know Malcolm Jenkins made a nice, couple of nice tackles against him, the former Saint. And so uh, C.J. was not able to be very effective. And, and again, we get into a situation where the Saints don't run the ball as effectively as they like to. Uh, they don't get as many deep passes as they like to. And, you know, I think, I think Drew Brees put to, put to rest 
you know, the, all any questions there were about his shoulder being healthy, mm-hmm. it looked pretty healthy. Right. But, you know, they weren't able to connect on, on the ones as much as they like to. And, and again, you know, the run game has to start somewhere because they've got to be able to keep a team, an opposing team, off the field. Uh, they've got to be able to grind out some possessions. Uh, Philly came in averaging, I think, about 23 minutes per game in possession, 22.48 to be exact, 22 minutes and 48 seconds. They end up with 34 minutes of, of time of possession. That's about, you know, that's 11 more minutes than they're accustomed to having the football. And they run off, you know, 90-plus plays against the Saints. When you have a defense on the field that long, there's no way it can really function the way you want to. I said 90-plus plays. I think actually it was 79 plays. But there's no way a defense can function when it's out on the field that long for that amount of plays. It's bound to crack, and it's bound to give up some plays. So the running game helps there. The short passing game helps there. And even though the Saints were 8 for 16 on third down, they simply didn't convert enough. And you don't want to get into 16 third down, third down situations right. anyway. That's Drew Brees mentioned it, and that is extremely high. You rarely see a team get into 16 third down situations. That means the Saints weren't doing a good job on first and second down. Talking about the defense a little bit, we mentioned the two interceptions were, th- were the first two takeaways um, in the air this season. Delvin Bro with one, Brandon Brown with one, but it seemed what stuck out to me, what they did well in the first half, but in the second half, seemed like some key penalties in the secondary as far as pass interferences, holding calls. Seems like those were some big uh, turnarounds as far as the second half is concerned with the, the meltdown, I would say, in the third and fourth quarter. Well, I think some, and I think some of those secondary penalties are coming in situations where you don't get a pass rush, so guys are in pass coverage a little bit longer than they probably should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if a receiver is able to make a, a, a second move or a third move, you know, now all of a sudden it may, maybe it gets a little bit grabby, a little bit handsy. And so you know, some of that comes from pressure up front and how Kakaha, the rookie linebacker, said it last, last week. He's like, look, if we get the quarterback on the ground, then he can't throw it. So, you know, that's what they got to, you know, they've got to get some more pressure on the quarterback. And it doesn't necessarily mean getting sacks. But you've got to hit the guy. You've got to get him out of his comfort zone. You've got to make him uncomfortable. And the Saints simply have not done enough of that either this season. I want to try to find some bright spots from the game. I know it's tough when the team is 1-4 and four and you lose 39-17, to 17, but I would say a couple bright spots on the offense. Willie Sneed had a nice game. Brandon Cook's over 100 yards. Granted, I know some of those were on that last, they call it garbage time there for the, the, the last touchdown there. But um, it seems like Willie Sneed is really coming along here in his first few games. Well, he's just one of those guys who, who, one, knows how to get open and, two, catches the ball when he does get open. Um, and you can't put a value on those guys. And Willie Sneed, you know, he, he's just one of those guys who just kind of jumped up out of nowhere. And I know we talked about him a lot in training camp. And I kept thinking he wasn't going to make the team just out of a numbers game. I just thought he wasn't going to make the team. He has a couple of breakout uh, games in preseason, really. And, and But he's one of those guys who, every time you turn around, he keeps jumping off the page, you know, okay, he's just making plays. Well, he doesn't look big enough. Well, he's making plays. Well, he doesn't look fast enough. Well, he's making plays. You know, well, he, you know, he doesn't do this. Well, he, you know, and every time you turn around, he's open and he's making a catch. I think he's one of those guys who can develop into a nice security blanket for Drew Brees because you know if you get it in his catch radius, if you get it in his area, he's going to come down with it and he's going to help your team. So he's been a, a great find for the Saints. All right, it doesn't get any easier for the Saints. Quick turnaround, Thursday night football. Oh, yeah, the 5-0 and Falcons rolling the town after they had a, a big overtime win. They didn't look 
two had PBS to in that big. game. <laughs> I'm sorry, we, we got to talk about it because we're, we have to preview the next game already. Usually we have a couple days to kind of digest this, but this team has to turn around with a short week. What is the schedule like for the Saints before Thursday night's game? Well, I think there's got to be a lot more rest and, and mental preparation more so than physical because, you know, your body was, you know, I, I understand the NFL schedule makers and I know this is a profit business, but your body wasn't made to take uh, what these guys are having to take within, a, I think, 14-day period, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, where really more like 11 days, I think. Your body wasn't meant to take that kind of punishment. So you're going to have to get off your feet. You're going to have to, you know, take care of those bumps and bruises and aches, and certainly they are after any NFL game. But unfortunately, instead of having to maybe Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to rest up and kind of get ready, you know, Thursday and Friday and Saturday, now you got to be ready to play on Thursday. And, it, you know, it's a cruel game, but, hey, everybody – in the league has the, has a Thursday night game. Everybody's got to deal with it. So this is the Saints' lot right now. And sometimes, you know, after a loss like that, you kind of want to get back on, mm-hmm. you know, back on the bike and, and and back on the horse and see if you see what can happen because you know you don't want that performance to linger. You don't want that one to define you. You don't want people to think that of you. You want to be able to get back out there and put on a better better show. Yeah, the Falcons have to do the same thing. Uh, they only have three days to rest, just like the Saints do. Um, but also divisional games. You know, everyone talks about oh, it's five and zero versus one and four. But when it comes to these two teams and divisional games, no matter what the records are, it always seems like it's going to be a close game. Well, when teams don't like each other, that usually makes it close. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, this is the same second divisional game. They lost the first one here against Tampa Bay, uh, and they, you know, finally broke the home losing streak against Dallas. Uh, last time they was they were at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, so certainly they want nothing more than to one knock the Fanks from the the Falcons from the ranks of the unbeaten, but two to win that divisional game and to try to stay relevant. You know, in terms of you know not even playoff talk, you just want to feel good about yourself right, right now. At one and four, you can't be thinking about playoffs. At one and four, you just got to be thinking about the next game and how can we win it. And so certainly they want to be able to just win a game to feel better about themselves. Should be an interesting week, that's for sure. Saints and Falcons on Thursday Night Football. That's John DeShazer. Uh, J.D., what can we look out for on NewOrleansaints.com these next few days? Well, we'll have some uh, follow-ups uh, on the Saints game, obviously, and then we'll have a preview for Thursday's game because we're coming coming up on it really, really, yep. really quick. And uh, I think we'll have a Drew Brees availability uh, probably at some point uh, this week. Because, and I'm certain, certain that uh, one of the things Drew is going to address is you know, the turnovers he's had this season. He's got you know, a, a decent amount of them right now. I don't have my finger on it right now, but I know he had the two fumble, two lost fumbles yesterday, and I think he's got about three interceptions right now. So if I'm not mistaken, that might be five turnovers in his four games, and that's a high number. He had a high number of turnovers committed last season, and uh, we thought, you know, maybe it was related to that, that core injury issue that he dealt with for a, a good portion of last year or something like that, but you know, it's got to be a situation where, you know, he keeps saying that, you know, the offense has to protect the ball better. They turned it over four times yesterday. That's not protecting it better, protecting it better. So they've got to figure out a way to, to hold on to the football. All right, that's John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. No rest for J.D. as the Saints turn it right back around and play the Falcons on Thursday night. J.D., we'll talk to you in a little bit. Yes, sir. Well, I'll be here. All right. More football talk on this Monday. When we come back, we'll talk about all things in the NFL with Steve Weish from the NFL Network. Stay with us. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free 
and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. We continue to talk football on this Monday. And joining us again, as he does on most Mondays during the NFL season, is our good friend from the NFL Network, Steve Weish. Steve, good to have you on, sir. Uh, good, good being on. It was an interesting weekend, so I'm sure we got, we got a lot of stuff to chop it up about. We do, we do. First, uh, I want to start with Saints to Eagles. I think just to get it out of the way more, but a tough loss for the Saints yesterday, 39 to 17 over the Eagles. I know you were covering Broncos and Raiders, um, which was a later game. What were your takeaways? Uh, biggest takeaways from the Eagles Saints game? Well, I mean, first off, I, I thought it was going to be tough sledding for New Orleans, going on the road, not having. Gary Evans or Teron Armstead, but you know, for them to get worked out like that, I just think you know some of the some of the weak the weaknesses of the Saints are, are starting to get exposed. You know, defensively, they're just absolutely all over the place. They're not consistent whatsoever. You know, they're allowing teams to gain momentum. It's it's going to be tough. You know, I, I picked the Saints early in the season to win the NFC South uh, unless something significant happens. Um, with them, I mean, they're they're not going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be using a high draft pick. I mean, their talent looks depleted. It's uh, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough spot for New Orleans right now. They got they've got to beat the Falcons Thursday to try to get this turned around. Yeah, not an easy game there, and a quick turnaround uh, for them, like you said. On the other side, the Eagles. Uh, it seems like how much they've struggled so far. They're only one game back in the NFC East uh, until Romo and Brian come back. I feel like this division is uh, up for grabs, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, and that's the NFC East. I mean, every year it's just ten and six or nine and seven, and then the last place team is usually, well, you know, Washington's been four, but it's usually, you know, a six or seven win team. So, you know, this is how it is every year in that division. You know, it's the big market TV division, and that's why there's always so much attention paid to it and, and so much intrigue because there's, there just hasn't been that real dominant team consistently year in and year out, and that's why Philadelphia absolutely has a shot, even though the Giants, uh, you know, they, they seem like they're finding games and traction on both sides of the ball and, and look like they could be a team to deal with in the division. You know, they, they might pull away before Romo and those guys get back. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Steve, six teams remained undefeated after Sunday, but really sticks out to me, and this was actually the game you were at. Uh, the Broncos are still undefeated. Manning throws two interceptions to Charles Woodson, no touchdowns. And it seems like this Broncos team, Steve, is relying more on their defense than they are Peyton Manning in the offense. Oh, it doesn't seem like it. It is. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is just what this team is right now. They, uh, you know, they can't run the ball. They're having problems scoring offensively, and Peyton just no nobody fears him anymore. You know, week after week, defenses stack the box. They press the receivers to try to disrupt the timing of the routes because they don't think and hit the deep ball against them and make them pay with the big play. And they're really having to try to grind out yards. It's not really happening that much, but the defense is so good. 
so good. You know, Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. That secondary might be the best in the NFL. And, you know, who's to say that this offense is ever going to gain traction? I mean, there could be moments. Um, but the defense, if it stays healthy, you know, is it, good enough to at least get them to the playoffs and get them home field because right now they're running away with that division. I was about to say it might be able to work right now, but, I mean, can it last, too, when you get to the postseason? I mean, how concerning is it for this Broncos offense that is not really producing right now? Well, that, that's the big issue, is if they had to play New England or if they had to play Cincinnati, um, you know, they're going to have to score points. And right now you just don't see it. There's nothing in this running game with, with Jerry Kubiak, how he likes to run the ball, that you're seeing, you know, take form. And, and the passing game, you know, you're, they're barely getting Demarius Thomas involved. You're not having any tight end play involved. It just seems so different from what they really would like to do, especially if you're a Kubiak type of offense. It could come together, um, but I, I just, you know, right now, if you pair them, you know, against Cincinnati or you pair them against New England, and right now those are the only two teams that have problems with, mm-hmm. um, I don't see them getting past either one. You mentioned Cincinnati. They squeaked by Seattle in a big overtime win. They were down by 17. I'll get to Seattle in a second, but what is it with Cincinnati? It seems like they had this talent every year. They get to the playoffs. Andy Dalton doesn't have a playoff win, but what is it about this Bengals team that they're being so successful this season? Well, they're, first of all, they're talented. I mean, top to yeah. bottom, it might be the most talented roster in the NFL. Um, they're, they're loaded, and you know, part of that is you know, some of the draft picks that they've accrued over the years, and, and, they've, and they've hit. I mean, that's been the big thing. You know, like you see, like in New Orleans, they have not hit on some of their draft picks. You see Cincinnati hit on them. They're very, very good at home. So that's that's another thing. I did not expect Seattle to win. But when you see Andy Dalton playing like he's playing right now, the accuracy he's playing with, especially with the deep ball, it's insane. I mean, they are playing at such a high level now offensively. The offensive line is good. They can set things up with the run so well. So much of what they do is based off their run action. You know, all props to Andy Dalton. He has really stepped up his game. The accuracy issue is is the biggest improvement. But everyone right now is waiting for the trap door. That's the big game. Can Andy Dalton do it at the moment of truth? Yeah, we'll have to wait and find out. Um, On the other side, Seattle, uh, two and three, uh, had a 24-7 lead. Um, What's the biggest concern with them right now? Well, you know, I've, I've got to, you know, they, it, it's weird because yesterday they, they lose that game late. And this is a team that's used to winning games late, finding a way late, coming up with a dramatic play or coming up with a dramatic stop to make things happen, like they did, you know, Monday night against Detroit. The fact that they got 20 consecutive, 20 unanswered points rolled off of them defensively, I think, is an issue. You know, part of that is they're not able to control the ball, you know, when they need to on offense. Their running game, even though Thomas Rawls had a solid game, all over the place. Yeah. Very inconsistent. And that's what they like to do in the second half of the game. So they have Marshawn Lynch and things like that. Just a pound team to wear them down. They're not able to do that right now. And, you know, they've, they've had some departures on that offensive line. You see how much Russell Wilson's having to scramble for his life every time he touches the ball. So, you know, those are the issues. But I think right now that defense, you know, that's a prideful group right there, and they're still loaded with talent. You can't have 20, 20 unanswered points scored on you and think, uh, think that everything's okay. Right, I agree with you there. Um, another team with major concerns is Detroit Lions 0-5. They get killed. I know Arizona's a very good team, but 42-17, to Stafford gets benched. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to be great, but did you see the Lions being 0-5 right now? 
Absolutely not. You know, I thought they'd be challenging uh, for a playoff spot. I mean, this is a team that last year really looked like they were on the come up, but what we're seeing now is a team that we saw a few years ago. Remember when they came down to New Orleans? Uh, it really gave the Saints a, a tough first-round game. They yeah. took them out, of course. You thought this was a team on the come-up, and they fell off the map. Well, that's what this team has done again. It doesn't look like you know Joe Lombardi, a former assistant, former quarterback, coach with the Saints, like his offense has taken hold. I mean, this year on the league is it's pretty simplistic, and defenses really know how to read it. It's not just players saying, hey, defenses know what we're doing. It's other teams saying it. Um, and, they're, and Matthew Stafford has not played well. Um, he's finally facing some of the scrutiny that he's been able to avoid <clears throat> you know, in previous years for not stepping up. And they, they just don't have it together. Now you're seeing bad body language, things like that. So it's, it's I, I don't think we've seen the bottom for the, for the Lions yet. You, you see some signs here that things aren't really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, before I let you go, what team or what player stuck out to you yesterday, whether it was something positive or negative? What really shined to you yesterday in week five? Uh, well, first off, you know, I, I hate the fact that Jamal Charles is out for the season yeah. for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think he's one of the darkest players in the NFL. But the game I was at, what stood out most to me, mm-hmm. Charles Woodson. Yeah. It was a losing effort. But here's a 39-year-old safety uh, making plays like he's 25. I mean, seriously, he looks like he can play for three or four more years if he wants to. And, I, I mean, I, I'm just amazed at how good he is, how athletic he is. That second interception he made, he still jumped three feet off the ground, went up over the receiver and got it, came down four feet and found. Um I marvel, you know, at, at that type of not only, you know, sustained athleticism and health, but just the will that he tried to, that, that he showcased to get his team a victory. Um, it's just something that we all need to truly behold because we just don't see that often in a pro sport. Yeah, I agree. That was a great moment there yesterday, uh, two interceptions for him. Uh, I know the Raiders are two and three, but it seems like they're coming along a little bit. Derek Carr, I know a tough game yesterday had that, the well, one pick six, but uh, it seems like the Raiders uh, might be in it for this year. The Raiders are going to get teams' problems. I mean, they, they, they've got a different mindset in the building. I spent a few days up there last week. Um, they're no longer saying, well, you know, we, we've got growing pain, this and that. I mean, they're, they're, they were devastated about that loss yesterday because mm-hmm. they know that they outplayed Denver, and I know that they outplayed Chicago the week before. They've got to figure out how to close. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are, to me, there's no such things really as windows in the NFL. When you've got an opportunity, you've got to feed it. Look at Detroit. Um, and, you know, I think Oakland is a very, very talented team. Jack Del Rio, again, has changed the mindset there. They are a tough physical team. You've got to figure out how to, to capitalize on some things offensively. And they, they can't turn the ball over. I mean, they turned it over three times yesterday. Had they not done that, they would have won. Yeah, no doubt about that. Should be interesting to see how Oakland progresses throughout the season. That's Steve Weish from the NFL Network. Steve, I'm a little worried about Sean because he's in Chicago for Pelicans and Bulls tonight, but with the Cubs-Cardinals playing tonight there as well, I think he might skip out on our game to watch some uh, playoff baseball. I hope so. I I really hope so. You know, Sean and I are both from St. Louis. We're big Cardinals fans. So, you know, if he's going to do that, I'll write him a day pass so he doesn't get in trouble at work. Okay. Well, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Uh, there you go. That's Steve Weiss from the NFL Network. And speaking of Sean, when we come back, we'll check in with Sean and Jim from Chicago. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. 
Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an Auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Certainly is the Pelicans game day tonight at 7 p.m. The Pelicans will take on the Chicago Bulls in preseason game number three. I believe it's preseason game number four for the Bulls. And I know it's a busy day in Chicago as game three between the Cardinals and Cubs is tonight as well. I think we're going to try to keep Sean Kelly busy so he doesn't sneak out to Cubs and Cardinals. He's a big St. Louis fan. But right now, let's go to Chicago and check in with him and Pelicans.com writer Jim Eichenhofer. Guys? All right, Daniel, thank you very much. Good morning from Chicago, where it is beautiful up here today. We are literally standing outside of the team bus, about ready to head to shoot around at the United Center. And Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com is with me as the Pelicans get set to take on the Bulls here in preseason game number three tonight. Uh, It doesn't stop this time of year. It's uh, back to uh, another Eastern Conference team, Jim. That's three straight for the Pelicans, at least this time in in an NBA city. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think people will are happy about the fact that the game's on NBA TV tonight, so people are going to get a chance to, to watch these guys play. Um, I think it's good that they play mostly Eastern teams because obviously you don't want to play the Spurs and some of the teams that are your big rivals during preseason. So I think that's probably part of it. All right, what t- observations did you have in the first two games that you'll take away or take into, rather, game number three tonight? I mean, I think they played, uh, they, they played pretty well in the first game. The second game was a little shaky. Um, I don't think they did everything that they were trying to accomplish in that game. Although the the starters have played really well, and the fact that they've had a they had a pretty uh, nice lead in the second game, but I think really the reserves were didn't play well, and that was really the reason that they kind of lost that lead in the second game. Ryan Anderson, I think, is one for eleven shooting through two games. So are you concerned at this point about Anderson shooting early in this preseason? The way I would answer that is is I would quote Ryan and say. He said the other day in one of his usually his normally hilarious interviews that if he misses every shot in preseason, he's not concerned about it. So I'm going to go with that as as my uh, I, I trust Ryan. So I guess I'll go with that. Um, I don't think it's really anything to worry about. I think he he mentioned that he thinks I think he was talking about himself, but also the team in general that they're, they might be overthinking things right now. And it's just one of those things where they just got to kind of let it go and just play on instincts in the new system that they're in right now. One thing we know for sure, Anthony Davis looks like Anthony Davis, whether it's the old system or the new system, the way he's played through the first two. Oh, for sure. He's been great. I mean, I think it's 38 points in 40 minutes or something like that. So, I mean, he's he's been outstanding and not really any surprise. The one thing that, that we took note of in the second game was just the fact that he, he stepped out and made a couple threes and um, just showing his range. I think a lot of the guys on the – a lot of the other guys on the team are just saying, like, man, it's going to be even tougher to guard him if you have to – step out to 25 feet to, to, to try to slow him down. 
Darren Ehrman told me yesterday they may try a couple of different things defensively tonight. They may try and just switch everything to see how it goes. Uh, that's what preseason's all about, regardless of your competition. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why, even though you always want to try to read into stuff or try to say, like, oh, you know, this was a, a great result because they won or a bad result because they lost, you really can't do that because they do look at it as a way to experiment, a way to try different things. So, uh, you know, really no one's looking at, it, at bottom line results in any of these games. Help is on the way injury-wise. We've got those two centers who are out right now, but a couple of new guys coming into the fold here today. I'm kind of eager to see them play a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think Jerome Jordan is a guy that we've seen uh, we've seen play in, in with a, a couple other teams. He's pretty skilled. I was a little surprised that he was available because I know he's, he's had some good moments. Um, there's not that many 7-foot guys or 6'10", 6'11 guys that can shoot the way he does and are pretty athletic, so that was a good pickup. Anything you like about Chicago and your visit so far you want to share? <laughs> I, you know what? The weather is great. I'm a northerner from kind of the Syracuse area. I know in October, this time of year, it's not supposed to be this nice. So it's been, it's been awesome with how, how, how warm it's been. And it's, it's cool seeing everybody walk around downtown. The previous couple times I've been here has been in the middle of December, and there's hardly been anybody around. The only people that have been walking around are the people that are really brave. So, um, but it's fun. It's, it's cool. It's, I wish we could stay here longer. I mean, the atmosphere right now is great, especially with the Cubs um, playing in the playoffs right now. So it's, it's been fun to be here. Yeah, the city's alive, that's for sure. The Chicago Marathon was just this weekend past. There's a lot of people still hanging around from that event. And as Jim mentioned, the playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs have hit Chicago in a fierce way here uh, with their game tonight alongside ours at the United Center. We'll look forward to seeing you all on the radio tonight. Meanwhile, Daniel, back to you. Thank you very much. We look forward to the game tonight in Chicago again 7 o'clock and I'll have more details on that coming up you'll hear from Jim Eikenhofer and Pelicans warm up as well alright when we come back I'll wrap up this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report don't want to miss out on any of the action get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7 365 like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Spend less time buffering and more time watching movies or sports on multiple devices with the fastest internet in town, Cox High Speed Internet. Catch the hottest action on the court. Cox delivers the most popular basketball games this season on TV, online, and on your mobile device. Learn more at Cox.com. Cox, official partner of the New Orleans Pelicans. Fastest claim based upon maximum download speeds of Cox Ultimate 150 megabits residential service versus AT&T's fastest advertised download speeds in Cox service area. Cable modem required. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. All right, before we get out of here on this Monday, I do have some positive news from the game yesterday. Remember, when the Saints score, you score at Domino's. Domino's today will give 50% off all large pizzas at menu price. Again, today only. All you will have to do is enter the promo code SAINTS at Domino's.com. Offer valid online only and at select Domino's locations. This great offer is brought to you by our good friends at Domino's. So you can order a pizza, get 50% off, and then you can... Watch the Pelicans and the Bulls, and you can listen to it 
on the radio network. Coverage starts with Pelicans warm-up at 6.30. I'll have that for you. And then Sean Kelly will have the call at 7 p.m. from the United Center Pelicans and Bulls preseason game number three. Uh, it'll be a good chance to kind of, for all of us, including myself, to see what this Pelicans team, uh, how they're progressing in two games, now three games, under new Pelicans head coach Alvin Gentry. So we're excited about that. And uh, and we'll start tomorrow getting ready for Falcons and Saints. And uh, we'll recap Pelicans and Bulls for you. And then they don't play again till Saturday. So uh, we'll really gear up our preview of Falcons Saints tomorrow. And uh, we'll also talk fantasy football with Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Hope your fantasy teams are doing well as uh, Steelers and Chargers are tonight. So still some fantasy games uh, will come down to that game tonight. So lots of stuff. We have playoff baseball in full swing starting at noon central today. Um, I believe some hockey is going on this afternoon as well. Then you have the Monday Night Football and then Pelicans and Bulls. I want to say Cubs. Pelicans and Bulls tonight at 7. Enjoy the Monday Night Football. Enjoy the baseball and enjoy the Pelicans game tonight. We'll talk to you. I'll talk to you on the radio Starting at 6.30 tonight, Sean Kelly at 7. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report. 